This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 9. This is Writing Excuses, our structured deep dive class. Episode 1, let's talk about structure. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Pung. And I'm Howard. We uh, have a brand new class starting. Eight episodes, we're going to talk about structure. And you've heard us talk about structure a lot. So we wanted to bring in Pung Shepard to get her take on all this incredible stuff. Pung, tell us about yourself. Uh, Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Pung. I am a speculative fiction writer and the author of The Book of M, which came out in 2018, and The Cartographers, which is coming out in March. Well, excellent. Thank you very much. Now, uh, we uh, are starting today. Talk about structure. Uh, This is your class and your outline. Where do you want to start in this structural discussion? Uh, well, I think we should just talk about, we should just, uh, you know, talk about structure and uh, in a kind of general way to just to open this deep dive series. And uh, I also just want to say um, how important it is, I think. So I, what I really want to do with this series is go beyond, uh, you know, the Freitag's Triangle, Save the Cat, the True Beast 22 Steps, these really big overarching story frameworks and look at structure much more closely um, as really specific uh, techniques that can fit into these these really big general narrative shapes that often get talked about. Um, because I think that structure at this level of detail gets overlooked a lot. We spend a lot of time as writers talking about, you know, plot and character and world building, but we don't often give structure the same level of attention. It's just something that sort of happens naturally to a lot of our stories. Uh, but I'd like to talk about ways uh, that we can be a lot more intentional with structure as we write. One of the things that I was excited about when we were uh, talking to you and and bringing you in for this was exactly that, that we 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 tend to go back to the same things. Um, so two things that I wanted to say. One is that I, I asked Pung to come because I've been working with her for the past couple of years uh, doing programming for the Nebula conference when I was when I was president she was in charge of uh that with uh, Aaron Roberts and uh Kellen Spara so it's really nice to to have someone with this kind of breadth of knowledge of of the industry the other thing that i've been thinking about a lot recently which is one of the reasons i was so excited about this topic is the idea of uh, structure in general. And when we're talking about things like Freytag's triangle, save the cat, all of that, what we're really talking about is something in art that we call copying the masters, where you take an existing structure, like what you used to do when, as, as an artist, um, and sometimes still do, is that you would take a, a painting and you would make an exact copy of that painting as a way to learn the techniques. And uh, another related thing that you would do, uh, can do is you would take the painting and um, draw circles around the major elements and then remove the original painting and put your own elements into those structures, into those circles, 
to, to kind of copy their compositional structure. And I think that a lot of times what happens to us as writers is that we are constantly copying someone else's structure as a, a kind of reflex. It's like, oh, I found Save the Cat. That works. And it works every time, except that it the problem with that is that it gives you the problem with something that can give you repeatable results is that you are always going to be repeating the same kind of story. And so what I'm excited about with this is we're going to be talking about a lot of different structures, which is going to really broaden the kind of story that you're going to be able to tell. Yeah, I, uh, on my other podcast uh, that I do uh, called Intentionally Blank, we did an episode about Encanto, the movie, which follows, which ignores a lot of what we think of as kind of structural norms, because it is based on uh, Latin American magic realism, which does not follow a lot of the structure that we think of. And it's been fascinating to have that conversation with uh, a lot of people in the audience who some people thought, oh, this didn't work. The ending didn't land. And it's because they were expecting one thing and got another. And other people in the audience uh, were very thrilled by seeing something that was so new and different uh, that they hadn't seen before. And a lot of that just comes from using different structural techniques. Um, there, there is not one way. Uh, I, I do think, and I'm guilty of this myself, we often teach that the existing structure that we use is there because that's just how brains work. And it isn't really. It's a, it's a cultural artifact. Um, and there are lots of different ways of doing it. Yeah, we talked about this at... Uh, at great length in the uh, uh, setting expectations uh, uh, class we did at the beginning of this year, uh, end of last year. And we talked about how when people recognize the beginning of a structure in a work that they're consuming, you know, whether it's a movie or a book or whatever, uh, you've set their expectations for that structure unfolding per formula through the rest of the work. And if you're not using that structure, they will often be disappointed, which is what, you know, some, some people who saw Encanto experienced. That doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that we haven't yet educated the audience to set expectations for a structure they've never seen before. Yeah, and a lot of structures exist for reasons that, uh, that aren't that that are are just kind of encoded, like the the three act structure um, that we are all very familiar with. One of the the things about that is when you when you listen to when you you really unpack what's happening with the three act structure, it's like, well, there's a beginning, and then there's a middle, and then there's an end, <laughs> and and that that's not actually all that useful when you really <laughs> dig into it. <laughs> Um, I, I'm wondering uh, if if we should actually pause for uh, Book of the Week, since I think we are about at the middle right now. Yeah, I, I think that's Speaking a good idea. Structure. Look at that structure. Uh, let, let me take that one. I've, I've got our Book of the Week this week, which is uh, actually another magic realism novel called The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina by Soraya Cordova. She's been on the show before, um, and she's a really wonderful author. This is... Um, the story of a magical family uh, with Ecuadorian roots, 
but living in a place called Four Rivers in Oregon. And the grandmother, the matriarch of the family, calls everyone together right at the beginning of the book uh, to tell them that she is dying and they need to come and collect their inheritance. And this being a magic realism novel, the inheritance is not money. It's several other things, both good and bad, that spin out over the course of the novel. And it's told in multiple timelines. We get the modern stuff interspersed with uh, the life of the grandmother as she grows up, the woman Orchidia Divina. Um, it's a really wonderful book. Uh, I'm absolutely loving it, and I recommend it very highly. And it does have a very unique structure. Uh, it's not following a lot of the rules that we expect, and it's very surprising and delightful uh, to not see so many things coming. So anyway, great book. Check it out. So I'm particularly interested in this uh, whole topic, and I'm about to ask Pang a question, um, mm-hmm. because I am in the process right now of working on the outline for The Martian Contingency, which is book four in the Lady Astronaut series. And the um, the structure, which I used for uh, uh, Relentless Moon, was the seven-act structure that uh, – seven-point plot structure that Dan teaches – um, and it will profoundly not work for what I want to do with the Martian contingency. And I've been, like, trying all of these different structural ideas to try to figure out exactly what the framework is that I'm hanging the thing I want to talk about, the thing I want to explore in the story. So, Pung, what are some, when we're thinking about structure, what are some of the implications that are are there for us when when we start looking at um, at how to pick one of these you know a, a different structure than than maybe one that we're used to working with. Yeah, um, it's an interesting question, and I think there's two ways to come at it because um, there are some writers who um, probably come up with a story or a character first, and then you have to figure out what kind of structure to use, which is what it sounds like is happening for you. Um, the, the story and the characters are already uh, really, really set. And then on the other side, you could come up with um, or just have a, a structure or an element of structure that you really want your work to center around, but you don't have anything else yet. It's sort of like, do you come up with the character first or the premise first or the, the setting first? Um, so... I think, uh, I don't know which is harder. They're, they're both hard if you come up with the structure first or you come up with the characters first. But um, I think that if you've, got, um, if you've got the seed of a story, you've got the seed of the character, and you're trying to figure out what type of structure would be best for that, you first have to ask yourself, what is the most important aspect of your story that you're trying to explore is, is it the character or the relationships between characters, for example, because then you might want to, um, consider structures that focus on that, like, um, multiple timelines or multiple perspectives, or is the thing that you're trying to emphasize most the world or your world building or the setting, in which case you might want to focus on a structure that, is built around, uh, and we're going to, we're going to talk about all these in depth in future episodes, but you can focus on a story that's built around a specific thing in your world, um, or stories that, uh, have footnotes, um, 
or if the thing that you want to focus on the most is maybe um, like a twist, if your whole if your whole story is built around a twist, there are different structures that lend themselves really well to that kind of reveal more than others. In a lot of ways, I feel like what we're saying is similar to the episode we did last year with Amal about poetic forms, uh, that there's lots of different forms of poetry, whether it's a Shakespearean sonnet or a Sestina or something like that. And the form you choose will help uh, guide the poem itself and the impact that it has on the reader. We often think that there's only one structure and we have to use it. And that's not the case. There's lots of different ones. And like Kung was just saying, the one you choose can help draw out elements of your world building or your characters or the twist you want to focus on or things like that. They can change the pacing and the tension. Uh, I think it's a really great point to make. Um, One of the things that I, and I do it instinctively um, at first, and then I fall back on craft when I realize I'm doing it. Uh, If I've come up with a fascinating setting or a fascinating, uh, you know, a location or a thing or a a technology or a plot twist or a character, um, I will begin structuring the story I want to tell around how our understanding of that thing unfolds. If it's a character who's undergoing transformation, then are there beats in that transformation? Well, those beats become structural landmarks around which the story paces itself. Um, are, are we exploring a location? Well, the, lo- the geography becomes kind of a map to the structure. Once I realize that I've started doing that in my head, I take a couple of steps way back and say, all right, does this map onto an existing structure I know how to use? Does this map onto seven points? Does this map onto uh, Kisho Tenketsu? Does this map on, what does this map onto and how can I use it? Um, uh, Usually I don't catch myself soon enough. uh, And so there's a lot of slop. Yeah, the, the, um, I was actually just thinking about uh, Kisho Tenketsu, which is the first time that I really uh, when when we, I had I had talked about oh and there are other things you know like the rule of three is very Western but other places it's the rule of five the rule of nine, uh, but until we did the episode with uh, Dong Wan Song where we looked uh, did a deep dive into Parasite, the film, um, and they were talking about Kisho Tenketsu, I hadn't really thought about what you know, how that worked and why that film was so satisfying. So in that structure, you have, it's a four-act structure. You have introduction, key, development, show, twist, ten, and conclusion, ketsu. And it's, um, it is, it's really satisfying. <laughs> and and one that I'm, um, it, it's the one that I've been thinking about, contemplating for Martian contingency, but it is this thing where um, the the th- there are so many options out there uh, that it's it's just exciting to be talking about this. Yeah, well, and I before we end, I do want to point out that this doesn't have to be a massive sweeping thing. 
Um, it could be something uh, much simpler than we're making it sound. For example, um, Avatar, The Last Airbender, the cartoon, is split into three seasons, each of which follows uh, one of the major nations that's involved. We get water and then earth and then fire in season three. Um, and that, like like Howard was saying, that's just the geography of the world and the world building influencing how the story is told. And so just thinking in those terms, you can come up with, well, why did they use three seasons? How did that fit their story? Well, it allowed them to explore each of the three extant uh, nations that air doesn't get one because it doesn't exist anymore. And so that's, that's at some level, that's what we're saying. Uh, look at what you're trying to do and see what structure is going to help bring that out. Anyway, uh, we've gone slightly over time. So let's throw this to Pung. What is our homework for this week? Uh, your homework for this week is to pick a favorite book with an interesting or unusual structure and see if you can identify how the author's uh, chosen structure enhances um, some aspects of the story, whether it's the tension or the plot uh, or the character development. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. We will be back next week with more talk and some specifics about structure. Between now and then, you are out of excuses. Now go write. Your hosts for this episode were Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, Pung Shepard, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. The liner notes and transcripts for this episode are available at writingexcuses.com. To learn more about us and to support us, visit patreon.com slash writingexcuses. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.